0: gentlemen we have a very illustrious guest with us in the studio already manoj thank you so much for joining us for those of you who don't know manoj he's the md south asia for buyer and it's such a pleasure to have you here thanks a lot
1: muzit always a pleasure uh, to talk to you and thanks for inviting me and uh, looking forward for the interactions here
0: okay great thanks now we're so lucky to have manoj here with us And i just like to share two minutes with you about, you know, why we thought about this show. You know, I work with uh, CEOs across the world and and like I shared earlier, there were so many insights that were coming through. And I said, you know, I learned while working with them that there isn't only just life and there's all leadership. You know, both work together because for people to be successful over a period of time, uh, they need to succeed in both areas of their life. And very often, you know, all of us face issues and you know problems in life could be health disease you know problems at work but leaders are there to help us right so let's learn from them so manoj uh, without further ado uh, let me just start by asking you to share with the viewers here really uh, a little bit about your background and you know your professional career and, and what's got you here and thank you Mudit.
1: so briefly i am a mathematician turned uh, pharmaceutical leader yeah <laughs> uh, a contrasting, uh, contrasting background to where I am today. Uh, born in Lucknow, majority of the time, uh, you know, have been in the in the hostels, boarding schools in Dehradun, Srinagar, uh, Then did my, you know, graduation from from Varanasi, and then I started my uh, professional life in an FMCG company. Got disenchanted very early. Then I did from, an MBA from a not very very unknown university and, and joined SIPLA as management training. And here I am for the last 20 years in the pharma industry, uh, worked in India and and majority as you know, in Southeast Asia, you know, Vietnam, Malaysia,
0: Singapore, and now back in India in the last three years. Fantastic. So tell us, what is it that, you know, typically uh, to have a blue-blooded career like this, right? You don't have the right uh, names in terms of the educational institutions uh, behind you. So what do you think is really being responsible for your success?
1: No, I think w- one aspect which uh, often people say that uh, you know leadership is about trade and it's not an acquired skill. I don't think that's that's true. Yeah, we have seen leaders across the board. We have seen educational backgrounds of a lot of entrepreneurs who have been highly successful doesn't come from a from a you know from a top level uh, Ivy League sort of a college. Yeah, but there are also people who have you know studied in Ivy Leagues or IITs and they have gone to the top. So I think it, it, a lot depends upon. How driven are you? what is your purpose in life? Uh, what, you know uh, what are you looking at? and I guess thats that has really helped. And I you know uh, sometimes in life you are fortunate to get the right mentors. Uh, there are moments which are teasing you and if you are brave and you don't really look at mediocrity but you want to excel in something, I think those are the moments which, uh, which help
0: helps anyone and including me at, at that point of time. Great, great, Manoj. I think it's very inspiring for a lot of people who are you know, our viewers here. And one of the things I'd like to ask you is, you know, you mentioned mentors, right? So is there a special mentor that you think you, know, you would like to mention or acknowledge uh, who has actually helped you change the course of your life? Uh, actually, many. So uh, I think uh, there are
1: mentors, but also mentors who helped me to decide at certain point of time, right? uh when when i was growing up and my brother was an iit and yeah so uh, the normal course is either you qualify and become an <laughs> engineer uh, or you become a, <clears throat> uh, right that was the most uh, awarded uh, profession at that point of time and it was not easy and i think the my failure to get into a a, a good engineering college for example uh, and then getting a, a mentor who was uh, you know uh, who was essentially my father saying life is not only around getting through a competitive exams so yeah you are here for a long haul i think those uh, open candid discussions with my father did help me to open up and say this there is life beyond IITs, there is life beyond uh, just going and and pursuing on on some things yeah uh, and it doesn't really matter whether you uh, would like to uh, you are studying in one college if you are not selected for whatever reason i think in a competitive life that is there so you know Pulse of wisdom with with someone whom you can share your failures. I think as those mentors have really helped me. So I, you know, definitely my father. The other one was, uh, you know, was the founder of Sipla. I mean, where I worked very, very closely with him when I grew up. Uh, and things like how can you take risks, risky decisions? Yeah, how do you become uh, flexible, agile, uh, and something which I always believe in not following mediocrity. Yeah, how can you stand out? in looking at uh you know what works for the larger cause and not just for you so those definitely as are, are people who have helped me uh, in in what i am today uh but also various events yeah i think failures in my life have really helped me to uh to aspire big
0: so thanks Monod. i think you've been you know really very candid and i think it, it really helps the audience because it, it's inspirational you know <clears throat> and for all the young people, uh, you know, out there who are going, to, you know, watching this being live streamed on LinkedIn and you know all the other platforms. I mean, there's hope for all of us. And I think uh, you know one key thing that Manoj sort of pointed out is that life is is a long haul, and your ability to you know hang in there and you know get the right uh, you know audience, pick the right opportunities. And actually, show because a lot of people, you know, we've seen leaders across the world. Not everybody shines at the same time, but the sky is large enough to accommodate all the stars, and that's what makes this world a great place. So, thanks, Manoj, for that, uh, you know, very, very candid answer because it's it's really inspiring, and uh, you know, which really brings us to something which is, you know, how do you, uh, you know, in this age, you know, as I work with people. You know, I also you know work with people on mindfulness, and I help people to focus. But you tell me, I mean, you know, you've also grown up from this whole generation. How do you able to focus on those key important things in life, either at work or this with you know, despite all the distractions that are there, email, social media, etc. What do you do?
1: Yeah, it's honestly not easy. And if I say that I am on top of it, I think I'm I'm absolutely speaking a lie. We all struggle. And we all have our moments where we are flooded with so many things, right? Information, uh, notifications, emails, yeah. Uh, and I think we all struggle. We find our own way of uh, finding what's the sweet spot, what is working for you, yeah? Uh, one thing which uh, which I think helps and uh, is around in the whole topic of around self-awareness, yeah, how self, much self-aware are you? Yeah, how much uh, uh, feelings you have you know for what you are doing how it is impacting others uh, you know things like those definitely help uh, of course I mean shutting yourself off periodically from social media does also helps right uh, whatever terminology we may use it uh, a digital detox or something like that but uh, but in real real life it's not it's important that you are a little bit more aware around about yourself what is your strength you know I mean what how do you want to I mean, for example, uh, when you say mindfulness, and I, I mean, you are an expert there, Mudit, uh, uh, there, not me, but simple things like how do you keep yourself calm and quiet in a stressful scenario, right? Many of the time as leaders, uh, your ability to keep calm in, in situations which are challenging, tough, where it's easy to lose your cool is, is something where I think this, the, you know, now we are used to this term of self-awareness, right? But in the past, we were just saying, you know, maturity or look at things. I guess that, that also helps uh, to stay focused, uh, being uh, what you want to look at it. And last, which I you know always feel is important, which is right in the childhood to now to when you are working in a corporate life is uh, what is your value system? Where do you place your moral compass? At the end, if you are sure that you are doing something good, Meaningful for yourself and for the community or stakeholders. If you're working in a corporate life, you are doing good for everyone. I am sure that helps you to again go back to the focus where you want to be. Yeah. Uh, so internal moral compass or value systems. I think that makes the core of of uh, you know as a leader or as an individual in in whichever capacity you work.
0: Very true. Very true, Manoj. I think you've uh, you know you touched on some very important things. I think first the admission that, you know, you have to find a sweet spot, right, between all the distractions. So all of us are on this journey of trying to get perfect and, you know, everybody, you need to find your own sweet spot. But I think there's some other things that you brought out was, you know, your moral compass and your value systems, etc. Would you like to share with the audience, you know, any time where you might have got tested, right, because you had a long career? And what, what got you back? You know, even if you you know, didn't went astray or whatever. I mean, what got you back, or what gets you know you back every day? What what reminded you?
1: So, in in life, there are moments where you have to prioritize things. For example, uh, you know, we are in the COVID times. you are looking at uh, you. Have, you have to manage business, but also the safety of employees is important, right? Uh, so, do you pull out your customer facing team in a time when you know that the business would get impacted? Yeah. What is right thing to do? Yeah. And I think, uh, so those types of moments where you are saying, no, 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 I, business will come second. Uh, it's important. It's critical, but let me now at this point of time where I've always put business first or customer first at this point of time, you know, let, let us put our teams first, our employees first, their families first, because the safety is more important. Yeah. Uh, similar. There are times when you look at it, what is more important for your family, but also you see that, you may have to leave a city and to move and I have lived in more than 20 houses in my 25 years of professional lives, right? So how do you, you know, balance it out in a manner where you are not compromising on anything, right? In the sense, but you are able to uh, take some tough decisions at the end, which could impact you personally. Uh, And I think those are the moments which uh, sometimes you do wrong. Yeah. I mean, there are many things which which I would look back and say I could have done it slightly better, uh, but at the same time, those are the moments which uh, where also have helped me. You know, for example, I mean I was just hardly one year in Sipla and moved to Chennai. I didn't know the language, wasn't very comfortable in eating South Indian cuisine, uh, morning, evening, afternoon. But that one and a half two years of experience of in in a very very different or diverse market actually has helped me to you know be a better better leader today. So. Those sort of experiences where you feel at that point of time, I'm not doing the right thing. Is it the right role which I'm doing? And then later on, you realize that the experiences which, you have, which it has given you know, has made you a better professional.
0: Great, great. I think some great examples because uh, is, you know, uh, I think one is even ad- adjusting to the diversity in India is, is uh, important. And I think that might have helped you, you know, as you worked in other countries like Vietnam, Malaysia, Singapore, because language changes, people change, behavior changes, uh, you know, everything. And, you know, one more thing is, you know, in terms of just your learning, right? So um, besides, you know, 20 houses, I'm saying there's also so many opportunities for you to have actually, you know, how do you keep abreast, right, with knowledge? Because... Life has changed dramatically from where we started all in our careers to what it is now and what's required. And not everything is taught. So, how do you keep abreast in terms of your own learning? And uh, you know, what do you do? Yeah, no, that's a
1: that's a great question in today's time because in the past uh, the knowledge sources were there, but the accessibility was a challenge, right? Uh, today, uh, I mean, I'm sitting in Guwahati right now, Mudid. Uh i mean we can virtually have a similar set of access to materials right whether it's uh, so i am an avid listener of podcasts so many podcasts uh, uh, books for sure so those are the two things which i would prefer but also on the job training you know observing other leaders how do they how do they talk how do they communicate uh, what sort of things which i am lacking yeah who is going to hold mirror to me uh, you know, seeking feedback, which is also part of your mindfulness thing as well, right? How do you constantly seek feedback to be better aware of yourself? I think those are the four things which I would say, observing others, observing people who, who I think are doing a great work uh, outside, inside the organization, both ways, uh, Who people who can give feedback uh, to me uh, and then some podcasts and, and some books, yeah.
0: No, great. So, I mean, you know, I think the feeling uh, one gets is that today you have to be a constant learner. You know, gone were the days where you went to the right MBA. I think that happened for a certain time. But the world in technology has changed so much that it's important for everybody to realize that unless you keep up to date, I think, you know, and the cycles are getting shorter and shorter I, the way I see it in terms of technology. So, if you're not uh, you know, abreast with what's happening in your own industry, in your in technology, then, um, you know, so one has to be a lifelong learner from what what I've gathered from you. And I think that's a that's a great, uh, you know, lesson, I think, for a lot of people who are here uh, uh, watching this across the world. Right. And you also talked, you know, what's very good is uh, you talked about self-awareness. You know, it, it is uh, really important because I think sometimes as a leader, you get so convinced that what's got you here will get you wherever you want to go in the future. And you don't really know, right? So you know, maybe you'd like to share with the viewers some examples of that self-awareness that helped you operate in different countries or you know, you're know, being able to observe and take feedback from other people. Uh, something more substantial so that people can also learn. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I mean,
1: a whether we use it any other terminology but later on as we went through the mba colleges and look at leadership uh, you know programs and i think the self awareness as one of the competencies and traits is, is deemed to be very very important and there are so much research around it that uh, top people have you know can acquire self awareness piece it's not a trait yeah uh, and in that you know i think one of the Early learnings around how do you communicate for people who don't talk the same language? Yeah, and uh, you know, in Vietnam, not everybody speaks uh, English. Yeah, how do you communicate to people? uh, And I think they are uh, practicing mindfulness. Where body language plays a very important role. Uh, Your uh, observation, your listening abilities plays a very important role. And in Vietnam, particularly, I think uh, you know, being self-aware as to uh, what is Working and what is not working, because you can throw fifteen ideas in the air, yeah. And I remember w- one time, Mudeed in a in a Q&A session of a town hall, and we were essentially a pep talk with the sales guys. And I said, you know, if we have to function as a good uh, good machinery or a good, uh, yeah, I gave the example of a car that all the four wheels uh, should should be aligned and working at the same speed, yeah. And this I was talking about being agile, being fast, let's you know, passion for performance and stuff like that. And I, I got poker face I, I mean nobody understood what I'm talking about so what's the uh, you know example of a car yeah and, and that's where I think I started looking at it how can I simplify my communication using English because I didn't know Vietnamese though I was learning Vietnamese but I couldn't really communicate to that level. Uh, how do you communicate better? How are you open-minded to understand you know a little bit about you know them more yeah. And how do you align your uh, overall objectives? You know, broader purpose of the organization and things like that. Yeah. So self-awareness absolutely helped me a lot to uh, to do better. Yeah.
0: No, great examples, and I can relate to that because I mean, you know, you have to work through interpreters. If you you know, you have a secretary and you think in English, and then they convert it into another language, and 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 really, that's a great test because you know leadership is about being able to share what's in your mind right and make them see the same vision that you're seeing and when yeah. you have a challenge so i think uh, you know your the way you speak and the language and the and the examples that you use sometimes calls for simplicity uh, you know so example i think that's a great example now one thing that i picked up from your last um, you know discussion on on moral compass also was you know, a certain degree of compassion, right? When the whole world was reeling and uh, and as everybody knows, right? CEO's uh, compensation is linked to the bottom line. (laughs) So I'm sure you would have felt, look, (laughs) that's the end of my bonus for a long time now. You know, we don't, uh, and yet you decided to keep people before business. So, you know, that compassion in terms of being able to understand uh, people, you know, is it, is it only at that time were you able to display it or are you you know do you feel that uh, you know when the whole world really had no choice but yeah. are you also able to uh, feel that you know in in other situations no i mean I,
1: if you look at the example which i gave definitely was during the covid time but i i guess as a leader you know if you don't have uh, compassion in in your day to day dealings yeah uh, it's difficult then to drive and i you know, I look at uh, when you are, when you're, as a leader, what are you are looking at, yeah, you are looking at uh, not just compliance of processes or uh, compliance of execution of a strategy, what you are also seeking from your team members and your colleagues is a commitment, right? Uh, and I think accountability and commitment can only come with when you are having a compassionate leadership. So, I mean, we... As leaders, we are not, not just seeking compliance. I think that's a given in any organization that you will follow the process of the rule book. Yeah, But you're also looking at that the team is having a commitment to what goals or, or, or objectives or KPIs, whatever you have defined. And in that, the compassion piece uh, is extremely important because that's where you are able to hold the team together to, to be in, uni- in unity on having a common goal in mind, right? So the, for the commitment to come in, I think compassion leadership has to be, it can't be just a transactional leadership.
0: Yes. But no, that's very important. And, you know, I think one of the questions that I'm going to ask you is this typical thing, right? Uh, as leaders, we're expected to deliver, right? So you're supposed to deliver. Now, COVID might have been a, a slightly unusual situation for most of us and the world, you know, had no choice but to accept it. But let's look at a normal. Now that things are coming back to normal okay yeah. and let's see you have uh, you know somebody who is not meeting a, let's say a direct report who's not meeting his kpis right and you know that not meeting any critical kpi will directly impact your performance as well as that of the organization so what do you do and and uh, you know how how would you deal with a situation like that i mean that's a uh,
1: i mean that's a situation which we face every time right nobody Uh, everybody has ups and downs. So so I guess one is, you know, having a conversation around him to understand uh, what are the underlying reasons. Yeah. Uh, And, uh, you know, I talked about giving feedback. Uh, The, that is something which is extremely important. If we tell someone that he's not able to do it once in a year or, uh, you know, uh, twice in a year, that's not appropriate neither for him nor for the organization or for you. Yeah. Uh, So I I think those are the approaches which you will have and see, Uh, Then you form a discussion around what is needed, what support is needed, uh, you know, based on the uh, discussion. So involving him or her and that person makes, you know, an action plan. So he owns that up rather than you try to, you know, be in his, uh, her shoes. Uh, It does work most of the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what I heard was constant feedback, right? So it's not that you wait appraisal time and your dock is bonus, but you tell people along the way every day, you know, both things that are working well, I guess, and things that are not working well. So they know exactly where they stand. And I think that's really so important, you know, because as I worked with a lot of leaders, I think sometimes I found that, you know, especially some sectors like IT, where today there's a scarcity of talent, uh, in India, and sometimes bosses are actually scared of telling their employees because they're really so worried that this guy is just going to up and you know disappear. Yeah. you know, and uh, uh, so you know, but the fact that you've been able to do this over a period of time, I think, is a great thing. And uh, I think uh, Devashish has a very good question, which I will take because uh, you know, probably towards the end. <laughs> which is really your purpose in life. So I think that's a great question. And I, I uh, will take that where we're, we're uh, about halfway down. So let's move towards, uh, uh, and another question coming up is how leaders build leaders. I think that's something we can take uh, some, you know immediately. Um, uh, so a question from Vijay uh, Manoj is that, yeah. how do leaders build leaders and your views on the current ecosystem? So basically, just take the larger question: How would you build another line of leadership? Or
1: yeah, uh, so I guess one is uh, you know I believe in a culture where we don't really appreciate too much hierarchies. Yes, yeah? so how do we uh, become an organization which is less hierarchical? Yeah, I mean there are of course positions and roles and you know defined roles and responsibilities could differ, but if, I think we can, uh, which helps. Uh, uh, you know, people who are a little bit looking to to move the next next level, identifying talent in the organization and giving them various exposures. You know, challenging assignments. It could be virtually anything. If uh, you know, if you, if you see that the person is delegating more, uh, is also and not doing micromanagement at times. Uh, that has also helped uh, leaders to build other leaders here. Yeah those are my you know thoughts always for for people who are talent and whom who can grow groom as a leader yeah.
0: yeah so what i heard was you know give people the opportunity right give them a chance to shine and don't micromanage them and uh, guide but you know don't really tell them so they all learn to find their you know how to swim and keep afloat and and manage and i think that's what brings out the best uh, in a lot of people so let's just move to the next section, which is really, you know, now, which is uh, in line with this about, you know, leadership, but what is your advice now for, let's say, uh, senior leaders, you know, who are at the CXO level, but who haven't made, uh, <laughs> sorry, being a CEO yet, right? So what is it that really, you know, what is it that you look for when you look at a succession plan or, you know, what what would you, what would you advise? What do you look for in, yeah,
1: so
0: the first and I always look at it if the, you
1: know, if the person is uh, aligned from a passion uh, as well as for the purpose, yeah. So there are a lot of individuals who have high passion, but they are lost in purpose. So I think as an organization, how can we guide them to have a little bit more purpose around it? Uh, you know, somebody who is aspiring for, for a next level, it could be CXO or otherwise uh, senior positions within the organization. Uh, always doing the right things from a moral compass perspective you know uh, I guess uh, we talked about maturity or people uh, you know their behaviors I think having a right attitude uh, yeah uh, authenticity is something which is also very important being honest uh, I think is one one trait which is so underrated yeah uh, it's not easy in a in a commercial uh, or in uh, professional life, uh, to be remain honest in a challenging environment right because you, you also have to look at it and sometimes these are you know there are conflicts around for example simple things that should I look at profitability should I look at net sales right And sometimes the way you approach both of things be could be very contrasting yeah So being authentic and transparent as a leader uh, or as a as a professional is is extremely important and last certainly not the least is we go back to what we said in the beginning is around self-awareness right? Uh, Making efforts to know yourself a little bit better uh, and manage yourself better, I think that is very, very important to uh, grow up the ladder. Yeah.
0: Okay, great. So I think some of the takeaways were, I think what I heard very strongly was one was authenticity, you know, which is, you said, a very underrated trait. The second thing was transparency, then a certain moral compass, a certain maturity, right? Because I guess at at that level, um, most people will have similar abilities to actually deliver results. That's exactly why they're there, right? To become a CXO. And I think that's very important in a sense that when you're in a large organization, which has clearly defined values, it becomes easier. And, you know, I'd like to share really some, um, uh, you know, an experience of mine when I was in the Middle East. So what tends to happen there is that you have a lot of people who come in there for temporary roles, and they don't have a longer vision within an organization. So when they have, I've had leaders, you know, who've come in and sometimes when there's a match, there's a mismatch of values, et cetera, it becomes very, very difficult. Uh, so have you had any situations like that where, you know, your leadership and you did not see eye to eye? Uh, and what did you do? How did you manage?
1: see. I don't think in, in on
0: everything, you will not see eye to eye,
1: right? Uh, so there are, I think, uh, how do you disagree? Uh, or agree on a disagreement is something which uh, is important as a leader as well, there would be moments where, uh, you know, for whatever reasons, the your manager or the organization wants to take a alternate path, which you are not even thinking of for the organization, right? Uh, the the question is if you have been able to communicate uh, and being assertive uh, yet being uh, you know not losing sight that you are a well wisher for the organization i think it makes uh, most of the managers appreciate including me because there is also times when i take a decision or i may take a decision in future where uh, my uh, subordinates may not hum- 100% completely agree to it yeah uh, so the ability for them to voice out their concerns uh, communicate that uh, and you being open to uh, for critical feedback, I think that's that's extremely important. And then yeah. you agree on on a on a plan which in the beginning you did not agree for it, but then you say okay, let's do the best foot forward, and you drive that uh, you know executed well. So I think there are many moments in everybody's life where you feel that oh, this decision could have been done in a different manner, but at the end you voice your concerns and you move forward. Yeah.
0: Okay. So you know, I think one 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 thing I heard was really uh, you know, how you express your disagreement and, and sometimes, uh, I think the best thing is, like you said, is voice your concerns, but, you know, we all have to move ahead in line with the way the leader thinks also. So I think, uh, you know, and, uh, which is, I, I, guess, uh, you know, I think it's a great takeaway and I think Debashish has a question here, like, you know, how do you deal with people who come from very hierarchical structures? You know, because they it, see, and this is a really uh, a problem that I see of changing the, you know, the older structures, the older companies uh, came from very hierarchical backgrounds. You know, you spend so many years, I think my, my father never changed a job and he shocked at you know us moving across companies to a more agile system where today structures are breaking down. So anyway, the question really here was, how do you deal with somebody who are very hierarchical? What would you have done? yeah so i I guess
1: you know there was a (coughs) a old saying right the ceos should not operate on only from the ceo's office yeah so i guess moving out meeting teams in an informal manner does help Uh, uh, moving people across hierarchies across levels into projects which are important for the organization so then they behave as a project uh, team as one team as equals yeah Addressing, you know, a lot of Indian organizations uh, where people, when you are at a certain level, even if you are uh, at same age and maybe one or two years uh, younger or, or elder, they they talk and they tell you, oh, you know, sir, I've done well. You know, the sir thing comes up easily,
0: hmm.
1: and you point that out time and again that you know we all are you know working in one organization as colleagues, yeah. Uh, so demonstrating that, uh, you know, time and again saying. Uh, apart from doing structurally different things so that they assimilate and behave as one, uh, as part of the team, uh, works. Now, is it a short short formula? Surely not, because I think each individual, the way he reads the hierarchy is very different because there are people who believe that the decision has to come from top. There, I think, how do you uh, delegate more? How do you empower them? How do you give them accountability uh, to take the decisions? is also important, right? So sometimes you transform the process, not everything flies to a CEO or a vice president. And, and some things could be easily taken by a decision by, a, uh, by a, you know, even a functional head, for example, or a department head. Those things does give a great, good message across the company that we are not just looking at a very hierarchical way of decision making, for example,
0: yeah. Okay, great. So uh, one of the questions I think, uh, you know, uh, Gaurav is asking from, uh, and Gaurav is from the UK uh, with some experience in in the pharma industry, a lot of experience actually. And he says, his comment is, um, you know, there are examples where founders appoint CEOs, but don't assume the role till they're ready, Uh, right? And uh, he gives an example of Gymshark is a 1 million organization because the founder has a vision not to be the CEO till the time is right. So I think the question really is that, you know, sometimes founders don't take on the role of the CEO because they just feel that it's not right. What is your opinion on that? Because you worked with uh, some founders also. I think it'll be a yeah. good... Uh...
1: No, See, let, let's look at, you know, it's the founders way of looking at their business, right? They have found it up, they are the entrepreneur, they've made it big. Uh, And every organization, yeah, we talk about uh, culture or the recipe to success is very different, yeah. It would be very different for uh, Jeff Bezos uh, to to Apple, to any, you know, example. So I think what suits every organization looks at what is the sort of culture they are breeding and trying to, you know. So some founders are happy to do all the work. Some are looking at, uh, you know, can we de-risk ourselves so that we have two people in the think tank on taking critical decisions? And I think that's the way it would be, what suits each individual and their, their stakeholders, you know, whether it's a listed company, then shareholders, other people who are part of the organizations and all that. So I don't think, you know, uh, there is always one way to, to look at the organization, whether it is 1 billion or 20 billion or 100 billion organization. They are always, you know, I think it's a good... Uh, you know somewhere there would be a good meeting point would be what is what fits well for the organization at that point of time what are what is their vision what is their
0: purpose what is their objective
1: and who can drive that uh, at you know at, at that given point of time
0: yes i think uh, so i think the point you are making is that there's no one size fits all and it's uh, depends on the founder also like i mean i remember bill gates handing over you know microsoft uh, to run because he felt that uh, let somebody else take all the operational decisions so that he could spend more time thinking yeah. about what's right and you know being more visionary. Because uh, it's always difficult to be an operational person, you know, running it day to day as well as uh, and of course, uh, you know, I think Microsoft uh, is is a great example of that. But it's also a great example of a company that missed a lot of opportunities, mm-hmm. especially in the mobile space. And, and I think mm-hmm. now they've. You know, got their head around to what they're doing very well. So it's, uh, uh, you know, and I think there's probably a bit of culture involved also, because I, you know, especially in the, if you were to look 10 to 20 years ago, a lot of the founders were very hands-on in India, at least, you know, uh, despite the fact that they may have, but that's changed because uh, things are getting a lot more <coughs> professional now. And I think a lot of founders also realized that, look, I brought it, you know, brought the ideas to a certain level, and let me give it away to somebody who, who can do a much better job at, uh, at, at that. And have you seen in your industry, let's say in the farmer industry, have you had any examples of, you know, you, I think you work very closely with one. So maybe you can, you know, give us some perspective on uh, founders both holding on and founders who have actually let go and found somebody else
1: no so, so the recipe of success is very different for each each organization are, i mean uh, there are many companies in the farm industry from india uh, who have done extremely well they are uh, they are global giants as you know india is a pharmacy of the world uh, some companies have uh, grown not only just india business but across the globe and all sorts of models are there so it was difficult to pinpoint as to what founders are thinking i do I, I think uh, you know when we say uh, all the founders are homogeneous i think we are doing that. we are uh, you know uh, doing this favor to a lot of entrepreneurs and founders who have over these years done differently so there are all sorts of models some founders are absolutely in thick and things of their business strategically operationally <coughs> they would have given to someone right a ceo or uh, or other models there are some founders who have taken up the organization, built it up, and then, you know, have uh, moved into a different direction. But there are some founders who have also taken the organization at, at, a, at a great length, and they are still, uh, you know, looking at how do they manage it and take it to the next level. So there are all sorts of models. Yeah. Uh, okay. And uh, uh, I think whether it's Indian entrepreneurs, or uh, or any outsider, right, when you look at today, the digital companies, uh, you know, I mean, we are on the Zoom platform. You know, Zoom was an unknown entity twenty years back, right? And now it's a it's a massive com- company. So I, I guess every company looks at it. What is working for them? Yeah. Uh, and the agility to adapt and change uh, is makes the founder look at it in that point of time. Now, in that, as you were mentioning for Microsoft, there could be some missed opportunities. But it's always, uh, you know, in the hindsight, we can say, yeah, that was a missed opportunity. Uh, but otherwise, I think, I don't think there is one, you know, one size fits or one uh, recipe for everybody mm-hmm. in that context. Every leader looks at it, what is right for yeah. their what is making sense. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I think the, the takeaway there is really no one size fits all. And, uh, you know, hindsight, you can always make a lot of decisions. So let's move on. Uh, just, you know, there's one more question that I see from Sunil Singh before I continue what is your advice if organizations is not seriously looking for leadership development um, and you need being, you know, and you, and you being the CEO need to manage the business in the long run, what should be the CEO strategy? Basically if a company is not looking at leadership development and, and I think this is, you know, something that uh, a lot of people feel from below. Yeah. uh, Because a lot of. I'll I'll share you, I'll share my
1: perspectives on this. Yeah. I I don't think any organization, any well-meaning organization can can grow and do good without focus on their people. Yeah. Uh, And you have worked, Mudit, in various organizations. I think every organization, uh, we we talk about in accounting, working capital, right? Uh, Working capital is also human resource. More so in some organizations like IT or banking, where there is no cost of goods, it's only the employee cost. Or Yeah. Uh, but the employee are the center of every org- so I can't believe any organization who doesn't focus on leadership development. yeah. Hmm. What process they adopt to it is something which could <coughs> be is always debatable. but I think the core focus of organization to develop leaders and develop people is absolutely there. Uh, any well-meaning organization will not have. anyone which has, which is doing business, successfully conducting business, uh, any sorts of business, yeah, any space, any industry uh, without the focus will not come. Now I think the sometimes what we look at it that you know there would be a ready path yeah of career progression. Uh, I think if it is your career, you should be in the driver's seat. Yeah, make your career plan yourself. Discuss with your line manager. Discuss with your with the HR of the organization and see what sort of experiences or challenges you want to in- include in that, so that those competencies which are missing in your you know profile where you want to work upon. Uh, you actively work on it, right? So every three months, six months you go back to your uh, your career plan which you have crafted for yourself. Be the owner for that. I don't think any line manager will become an owner for your career path. yeah so be being in the driver's seat for your own career, being a little bit selfish is extremely important. even if you devote let's say half an hour every three months on your career plan, I think you are you are doing fantastic for yourself. This is what is expected. But sometimes what happens is in in, in, uh, corporate life, we feel that the HR would make a career plan for us. Yeah. And they will take us from one position to another position. And that's where I think sometimes we feel that the automation is not working for us. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I think there's a great takeaway there is basically uh, take charge of your own career and actively involve and you know be engaged and and look for opportunities and discuss this as to how you can make i think that's a very good piece of advice because uh, a lot of people feel that and I, and i sense that across also as a leader you know sometimes people below uh, don't but then it's it's really a question of how active you are so i think that's great advice there uh, so <laughs> let's just come in you know we talked about self awareness etc what is your advice in terms of to to aspiring, uh, you know, managers who want to be CXOs in terms of executive presence, and what is your view on that?
1: No, it's, it's it's important. Like a lot of other things, executive presence is important. You know, that's your brand. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, a lot of time the uh, your decisions which will affect you are taken when you are not there in that room. Yeah. And uh, your executive presence actually helps them uh, make the decision. Yeah, your, your demeanor to display confidence is, is what I say, say is your executive presence. So extremely important, Mudit. Extremely important in any large organization, but also in small organizations at uh, that place. And if you want to pursue a leadership role, executive uh, presence is extremely vital. Yeah. yeah,
0: I think very well said. I think the key takeaway there is that a lot of decisions about you are made when you're not in the room. Uh, and I think, you know, the way you behave and the way you conduct yourself, I think speaks volumes for, uh, uh, you know, your own progress. So I think those of those people who are really not making the grade need to have a good look within. Uh, you know, being bright is not good enough. Uh, and, and I, you know, I, and I can relate back, uh, you know, myself, uh, which is a moment for me also, because... When you're probably younger, you're far more passionate and you tend to occasionally say things and, you know, with, uh, with a lot of passion and, and, you know, it perhaps could have been misinterpreted. Yeah. Uh, and I think it takes mature leadership to, to be able to see that dis- and discriminate between what is passion and what is actually being, you know, is, is not being respectful, but, uh, very important. I think, uh, a lot of us don't realize. And, and now when I look back, actually, you know, it comes back to appraisals, right? Uh, I've seen very often, both as a leader and both as a recipient, before, uh, you know, in a lot of organizations, there are those S-curves, right? The, the bell curve has to be met. Bell curve. Yeah. And uh, the bell curve is al- already, you know, a leader already has to fit in all his people. So before you have that conversation, uh, the bell curve is very often set. <laughs> so a lot of the decisions are already taken about you. What is your, uh, you know, opinion on this bell curve as well as, you know, how can people be more prepared?
1: So I think as organization, including ours and many other, most of the other organizations, also are moving out of this bell curve. Yeah, as you said, okay. right? Bell curve gave a, gave a lot of employees uh, a feeling that you know it's all already pre-planned or or uh, you know if there is an outlier. Uh, so I think in individualistic performance and reward recognition, a lot of companies are, are moving out of the bell curve. Yeah, uh, Executive presence uh, helps to to be, you know, I think it also communicates as to what leadership, at the end of the day, if you are a leader or you are heading a small department, how much confidence you give to your own folks, your own team members and to the people working around it. I think executive presence uh does inspire a lot of confidence, yeah. To because essentially, what is it? Yeah, it is around how do you communicate? How do you behave? Yeah, uh, what are your your thoughts and how do you give that clarity of thoughts? A, from whatever way, how do you network with people who are not just your part of the team? Um, how do you me, uh, meet us, you know someone who's senior leader in a in an elevator for three minutes? I think those three minutes are absolutely critical for your executive presence. And how do you operate, as you said, right, in the in moments which are tough, in stress? How do you, because a lot of time, uh, we judge people in, in their behavior uh, when they are under under stress, yeah? And that is, the to, in totality, is your executive presence. So uh, so in that sense, it plays a very important role. Uh, but, you know, th- does that profile fits into an executive, in, in a bell curve shape? I think we have, a lot of companies are moving out of the bell curve. And looking at what is an individual way of appreciating someone's performance and and rewarding and recognizing that yeah
0: great so i'm I'm so happy to hear that you know people are moving out of the bell curve because uh, a lot of times you know you could just have x number of people you know the top five percent would be there and a majority would come into uh the normal so that's great news but you, you said something very important, which I don't think a lot of people realize, right? What is your advice to somebody who meets, you know, somebody very senior in the lift and he has exactly one minute or three minutes, uh, what, what should be the conversation? And what do you think will, you know, as a CEO, when you would, you know, meet somebody, what is it that in your mind... Because you, you don't, not too many people are going to get, except your direct reports. not too many people are going to get more than a minute or, you know, just look at the vast middle majority, right? How often do they meet a CEO in a lift? What would you say in those one or three minutes? What to talk about? Yeah, uh,
1: f- uh, first thing is, I think treating is equal so always, you know, uh, don't <laughs> be bored down. In a, because if there is a communication, which is father and son sort of a communication, I don't think in a professional career, then you will end up asking the right questions, right? So treating as equals, striking a conversation uh, is, is important. So you, you I mean, sometimes you will fail, right? You will, but at least your attempt to strike a conversation asking the right questions. Beyond that, nothing, you know, uh, ability to ask question at, point. you know, the CEO may say it's a foolish question, but okay. You know, you give it, but at least your attempt to strike a conversation with a senior person uh, does demonstrate your ability that you are fearless, you want to communicate with senior person, you are not afraid of anything, yeah? Uh, And you are treating them with dignity, pride, respect, but you are also treating them as equals. A lot of times that actually works very well uh, in today's environment where a lot of CEOs are actually... And, you know, I mean, CEOs' position, and that for that matter, any senior-level positions are very lonely, yeah? I mean, you are looking forward for people to interact with you you want that Uh, so the flip side is that all the leadership roles are extremely lonely yeah if you want to go for a cup of coffee we have to invite five people if there are a bunch of five colleagues who are sitting next to each other they will give it a you know coffee they will tap on each other's shoulder and say okay let's uh, let's have a coffee at 11 o'clock they will not come to a ceo or a department head yeah so the department head or the functional head is also looking to have an interaction. So if there is a junior guy who wants and is asking, actually, it's a it's a good mix, right? Uh, so striking a conversation is extremely important, even if it is two minutes. Yeah,
0: great. I think that's great advice, Manoj, because I don't think people you know who are there. Most people I've seen, you know, I think I know things are changing a lot now, but a lot of people are reticent. So I think one word of advice is from Manoj's strike a conversation you know <laughs> at least break the bridge and i think he's shared it from the other side it's actually very lonely and that's so true because uh, you know there are so many things that are happening which uh, a leader can't share right i mean uh, as a ceo you have to your the buck stops with you and uh, you know let's say for example For a a salesperson, you know, at a junior level, his sales target may be the most important thing, but for you, the environment, the regulators, the board, you know, there are so many more things. So it's so rightly put that it's very, very lonely at the top and, um, leaders look forward to, you know, having a conversation with people. So all those people who, you know, meet a leader now in the lift, take his advice. I think there's a great piece of advice there, right? So uh, let's just come down to one more thing uh, is, is is really in terms of resilience, right? Uh, you said something very important where, you know, you learned an early lesson where your father said, look, life is, is a long haul, but what have you done? You know, how, how have you been able to bounce back and what's your advice to others uh, in terms of, you know, being resilient?
1: Yeah, so I... I- I think it's important for everyone. I but not her, you know. I, I always say that whatever you plan, you're not a hundred percent sure that you will be able to take that uh, or achieve that plan. But planning is important, right? And sometimes you would have failures coming uh, in those planning. Uh, how do you reward your your individual failures? I know many organizations started this recognizing, rewarding failures. Yeah, but is it at an individual level, how do you? Uh, reward yourself with a failure uh, by not, you know, going uh, or getting depressed, but looking at it. What are the learnings out of it? Yeah, and I think that is the basis or the foundation for a resilient behavior. Because essentially, what you are saying to yourself is, "Yes, I have failed. This is my, these are my learning." But your uh, vision or your goal or your purpose for life is still intact. Yes, yeah. so you are not defocused from what you are trying to achieve. It's a momentarily blip. Now, the moment could be one year. <laughs> the moment could be six months. Yes. Uh, so it's a momentarily blip. But that one year or one month in a, in a thirty what we started at 23, we retired at 60 plus minus, right? Give or take. Yeah, so in 35 years, that three months, six months of period of moments where you have failed uh, should not impact uh, you know, from your purpose or objectives of your life i think that that is the basis of then you bounce back and look at it you know differently you are learning from there and then also you go to your well wishers yeah in any organization where you are working you know there are more well wishers for you there are more people who want you to be successful always you know that's the way of looking at the organization yeah uh, and if you go to them i am sure they will give you their pulse of, you know wisdom their experiences to, to come to make your plan even better, so you have your learnings from failure. You go to your well wishers, and and you have a much more robust plan. And then your bounce back is not only just bounce back, but it's much more stronger bounce back. here. Yeah.
0: great. I think uh, you know what you you mentioned was very uh, uh, is very right. You know, I think the learning you take out of uh, some event which has not gone your way, right? So one mentor would say, you know, failing or fail, or I think our uh, illustrious president would say, you know, fail is first attempt at learning. But the person who's going through it at that time, you know, really, (laughs) you know, goes through a very tough time. And and one of the things that I've asked uh, that has helped me when I coach leaders who, you know, come and and talk about something similar like this is, and the question I ask them is, tell me in 10 years time, how relevant do you think, this particular incident that you're going through is going to be. And, you know, those leaders who are able to think through and, and actually say that uh, perhaps it's not going to be as significant as I, you know, what, what I'm going through uh, today. So I think the learning, you know, I think that's the critical takeaway from uh, your, uh, uh, you know, your feedback on this. Uh, so I think that's, I think what leaders should, should really, uh, look for. And as we come to a close, I think one question that Dibashish had was, you know, in terms of purpose, what is your purpose? You know, uh, is there a purpose that you have in life? Uh, would you like to share that with?
1: Yeah, I'm in healthcare. So the purpose of life is to, uh, you know, give access, uh, you know, and improve quality of life. I think we can, as, uh, as someone in the industry, um, can play a significant role and uh, more so in countries like India, but also in many other emerging countries, uh, healthcare access is, a, is a still a challenge. Uh, I think our effort to make a society a better place is, is that's the purpose and that drives me. You know, I'm absolutely passionate as healthcare uh, you know, worker in some form as, as in the industry to look at how can we have a, give a better quality of life for patients who are suffering with so many diseases.
0: Okay. So great. Uh, there's one more question that's come up because um, sure. is, is is really before and, and that's from Manoj. And he says like, you know, sometimes when you fail at really the top, right? Not early all in your career, you know, let's say for example, and, and those sometimes failures can be taken at quite seriously because you're at almost at the CXO level and you, let's say for example, you were aspiring for a particular role, like a CXO role or a, and it goes to somebody else. You know, uh, how do you bounce back from that? Or what? what is your advice?
1: Yeah, see, I mean, it's a race. Yeah, in, a, in an environment, I don't think that uh, every single race you're going to win. Yeah. So if you are aspiring for a position, for example, uh, if there is a position in, I don't know, global role or whatever. And uh, if I would raise my hand, I also know there would be five other people also raising their hand. Uh, and in that, if you are not uh, being uh, chosen for that role rather than, uh, you know, just feeling uh, down, I think the question you should ask yourself, what you can do to prepare yourself so that next time around the opportunity comes to you What what are the competencies for the required role? What are the experiences required for that role? And if you, you know, seek feedback around it, uh, probably a little bit better prepared for next time does it guarantee the, the role in next time definitely not i think being uh, being pragmatic also uh is is important because otherwise you will lose your mind yeah and and mudit uh, coaches like mudit which helps mm-hmm. uh, ceos with the, with the mindfulness journey would get more uh, more opportunities to encash that but i think that's important uh, for us uh, you know that we do not un- take it for granted that The next rules are on our lap always, all the time.
0: So I think what I took away from that was learn from what is required, even if you have missed out, I think the learning, right? So I think that's come through very honestly in in all your uh, uh, responses is whenever things don't go your way, yes, there is perhaps some emotion attached to it. You know, it it may take you a little while, but fundamentally, um, you know, take it as a learning opportunity. And be honest and look really deep within and say, you know, what are the, uh, what competencies, what do I need to do to make sure that another situation that comes out, I'm better prepared. So I think that's great advice. Uh, you know, it calls for a lot of honesty from within a person, because, you know, when you're already at that level, a lot of people, you know, believe that what's really helped them succeed, you know, and, and they're very often they, they might just think that they're very, very good. So um, that honesty that you talk about, where you can actually take it as learning, is is uh, great advice. So we're really at the top of the hour, and yeah. uh, you know, if there's I'd just like to ask the audience if there's anything else, or your last words of advice uh, you know, uh, to two people who've been on the show, what what would it be?
1: I mean, I think we, we spoke a lot, yeah. Okay.
0: I mean, we are living in a, in a
1: world which is information overload, right? So simplify your life. Um, uh, look at things which gives you enjoyment. Yeah. Uh, there is a larger purpose to your life. You know, be passionate for that. Uh, I think that's, that is what will drive you. If you're not enjoying the role, it's then difficult for anyone, including yourselves yeah? and the people working around you as well. Uh, I think that's my general advice, and being you know being authentic, honest about uh, about yourself, also the the surroundings. I think that's uh, yeah. Uh, that would be my my two two cents on it, uh, Mudet. And I know I mean everybody goes through a different experience, yeah. And I'm sure the audience in this, have also you know more experience on than me than on certain counts, right? So that they can apply their their learnings accordingly, yeah.
0: So thanks so much, Manoj. You know my key takeaways really, if I was to even like you said, was one was simplify life. Two, look at life as a marathon, right? It's a there's a wide journey. Third thing I'd say is you know in terms of resilience, uh, learn that take it as a learning opportunity. Fourth, oh, for nice. a lot of people who've talked about career, <laughs> take your own career in your own hands and and try and uh, you know take charge of it rather than leave it to the organization you know, whether it's within or it's without. And, and most importantly for all those, uh, you know, aspiring leaders who meet CEOs in a lift, make sure as uh, Manoj says, you know, take the advantage of actually striking up a conversation and, and don't be so worried about, you know, that question, whether it was the right question or not, because, you know, leaders are lonely too at the top. And, and I think that's a very frank admission and they love to hear from people. Thank you so much for so much advice on how do you manage your own life and in this whole journey of leadership. Thank you once again, Manoj. Thank you, viewers, and we look forward uh, to all your support. And we'll be back soon. Thanks again, Manoj.
1: Thank Thanks a lot, Madeth. Loved the conversation. Yeah, thank you. Okay.